Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with the marvelous PK. PK, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing so well, thank you. I'm up and about some, and I feel like I'm so energized, I can't believe it. Gosh, that's good. so good to hear, because we all know that you've had your troubles with back and oh, hip yes. and things like that. God bless you, but you're doing so much better now, and everybody's so happy to oh, have definitely. you back. Well, it's good to be back to feel like a people again instead of that slug just laying there flat on my back. Yeah. So, oh, that's awful. Whatever keeps big going, I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. we're taking a look at what's taking place right now. We're taking a look at this lovely retrograde that's been nipping at our heels. Oh, gosh, and yes, one of those. But Yes, but we're also reviewing this year all at the same time. So there's no balance to anything that makes us really feel good. We keep feeling we're being shortchanged. And truly, uh-huh. we are, because we're looking for the aspect of what's been going on all year to be this big to-do, till we say, the pinata, and it uh-huh. ends up being the junk on the ground and no pinata to play with. Uh-oh. Hard to it's figure out what we're going to be doing and how it's going to go. But gosh, people, be cautious of what you say, but be extremely cautious of what you write and put down, because The retrograde is going to tend to bite us right where we sit. Unless we're born in a retrograde, I have to qualify that. Those born in a retrograde will have no issue, but we certainly will, or at least I know I will. But uh, pay attention to anything that you sign and anything that's ongoing because we are reviewing this year, and it's a good time to tidy things up, get things turned around so that we can get out there and really go for it. Retrograde is not going to be over till close to the end of the month. So we need to pay attention to what we write, what we say, and how we go about taking care of business. Just a thought. All right. Yeah. Well, and they always say, like, don't sign any contracts during Mercury Retrograde. Don't buy any cars. No. So maybe go break, looking for your new car, but don't broken. buy it. Yeah, most, oh, that's right. The electronics down, may come back. You, that's right. That's a good possibility. But the most important thing is, until the retrograde's over, you won't know if it'll come back. Oh, we're, okay. Many times we're so sure that it's broken and we get rid of it. 
And afterwards, somebody picked it up and said, oh, you know, that picked up the best little computer. Somebody just had it sit down the curb. Uh-huh. That was mine. <laughs> <It maybe. worked. laughs> oh, gee. What a surprise. Uh, right, right. That would be a surprise. Oh, my goodness. These Mercury retrogrades oh, sure. are such a challenge. Is it, I hope this is the last oh, one for the year, yeah. is it? I so no more after so. this for 2022. Thank I goodness. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, I wanted to let everybody know, you remember Craig Campobasso, right? He is our good buddy yes. from Hollywood. He is fabulous. He is a filmmaker, and he is an author of many books on UFOs, and he's got a new one, UFO Hotspots. Oh. So he is joining us next week. We're going to go over the hotspots and all of his latest personal experiences because, you know, he's in contact. So we're going to hear more about that. Oh, so delightful awesome. guest. He'll be coming up next week. And last week, I want to remind everybody, if they haven't listened. Yes, Craig is fabulous. Last week, we had Bob Robichaud on, who was great. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about uh, psychedelic medicine and specifically psilocybin and its use. And Bob was introduced to this when he lived in Mexico. So it was a very interesting conversation. If you would like to know more about psychedelic medicine, especially psilocybin, go back and listen to that show. All of our shows are archived. You can hear them on your time schedule anytime you want. But Bob was outstanding. He had a lot of really solid information and we certainly need better ways to treat mental health these days. And it looks like psychedelics are really going to be in the forefront before too long. So tonight we have a great guest who's written a great book. The name of the book is Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. And the author is Dr. Beitman. He is a psychiatrist, and he is going to take us all the way through the inner workings of serendipity, coincidence, and synchronicity. So do you guys want more grace in your life? That's what I would call all of these, and here we are going to be talking about it. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Beitman. He is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systematize the study of coincidences. He's a graduate of Yale Medical School. He did his psychiatric residency at Stanford University. He is the former chair of psychiatry of the University of Missouri-Columbia Medical School for 17 years. And he writes a blog for Psychology Today on coincidence. And he's also the co-author of the award-winning book, Learning Psychotherapy. He's the founder of the Coincidence Project and lives in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. Dr. Beitman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Patricia. It's great to be talking with girls with a Z. (laughs) Yeah, we're just a little different. (laughs) A lot different. (laughs) But Dr. Beitman, how did you get interested in first of all medicine and then psychiatry what was it that brought you to that door well my my mother wanted me to be a doctor what else uh and uh, psychiatry was interesting to me for a lot of reasons 
was, was to understand the relationship between mind and brain. Uh, when I was a second-year medical student at Yale, uh, I got some money to uh, go to Boston and look at data uh, that people at Harvard had gathered uh, looking at the responses people had to uh, psilocybin in pretty good doses, kind of the psychedelic doses. And it had pure Sandoz psilocybin, and it was well organized. The people who had started this thing uh, did the Good Friday experiment, uh, which is in 1961, and they gave 10 divinity students uh, psilocybin and 10 divinity students nicotinic acid in the basement of a church uh, on on Good Friday, and they had the mm. service piped in. And these were all divinity students, so they were tuned to something. And nine out of the 10 of the of the people on psilocybin had a mystical experience, which they got a measure of. They had a measure. Spence, the guy named Spence, has put his put together some characteristics of mystical experiences, and nine out of the ten fit the criteria, and one out of the nicotinic acid group. Nicotinic acid gives you a kind of blushing feeling, so it's a kind of active mm. placebo. So they could show, data-wise, which people had been talking about for years, that you can hit a mystical experience with psilocybin. But later, they did a different experiment, not in the basement of a church, but just people off the street who were interested in having a psilocybin experience knew a little bit about it uh, and put them in the mass mental hospital uh, outpatient clinic room, played some music, uh, had some flowers in there, and uh, some of them got active drug and some of them got placebo. And they wrote about their expectations about what the experience would be and then began and then answered the question about how their mystical experience developed according to their questionnaire. And my research was to look at how expectation influenced experience. And oh. what it showed was that if you expected to have um, a kind of um, color uh, sensory experience with the psilocybin, that's what you got. If you expected to have a psychological experience like going back and thinking about your past in psychodynamic, psychological ways, that's what you got. And then some of them wanted a mystical experience or thought they would have it, and that's what they got. So that's how I got introduced to psilocybin, and that, of course, increased my interest in, in psychiatry. That's fascinating. Yeah, This. what do you think of all this? I'm sure you're watching all of this kind of move forward and how ketamine, at least, has been FDA-approved and is being used now. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, I, I've always had my doubts about ketamine. It's a drug of abuse, too. Uh, you can mm -hmm. get some into some trouble with it. Um, if it's used right and people are using it right, okay. And they tend to say that the ketamine, um, the more traditional view is that ketamine causes some kind of Mm, delirium or like something's wrong with your brain it's really having psychedelic experiences some people have but modern medicine still is having trouble recognizing the 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 mystical component of some 
of some psychedelics. Ketamine is something I don't have a lot of experience with. I know psilocybin from what I've told you, and uh, mescaline and LSD I'm much more familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it definitely has a place. And healing, oh, right? there's no question about it. I mean, it started helping people with who are dying. Johns Hopkins did that research, and it, and it does help people accept the possibility that hey, maybe this isn't the last stop. Uh, maybe there's something else that's going to happen uh, after I die, and that's what uh, people dying want to know. It's not they get more calm about it, and psilocybin can help with it. I think it's worthwhile noticing if since we're talking about this, that psilocybin and psychedelics, other psychedelics like LSD, have three potential uses. And what we're looking at is the clinical use, which is welcome. Uh, It was used to treat alcoholics in the 1950s and 1960s. Spring Grove, Maryland had uh, a place where they had almost like a a chamber under, under the sea, place it was up it was it was so walled off from every place else and they gave alcoholics their psilocybin or was lsd and and i walked into that chamber and there was so much love in that atmosphere it just blew me away so much love so much love energy in there so love helps change people they feel it more they feel connected more but that it's not the only reason and it's only effect that psychedelics can have Uh, one another one is to have what is the standard mystical experience which is to feel like one with the universe and that oneness is is talked about as an ideal in many eastern religions but there's also another level that chris beish has investigated uh, Chris took uh, high doses of LSD 72 times over 20 years. Oh, my God. And he oh. went way out. He found oh all kinds God. of crystalline ideas, and he reported in his book. But what what I'm most interested in for our discussion is that people take psychedelics and often report seeing a lot more coincidences, a lot more synchronicities. Yes, that's right. That's right. So this all ties in nicely together. Yes, it does. And, and one, yeah. one funny part of that is I interviewed a woman from England who was part of the depression study using psilocybin. And she's a wonderful, wonderful person and a good researcher. And she, I asked her, what about synchronicities during all this when you're when you're giving people psychedelics and when you're when you're talking about it with uh, other guides in these experiences. And she says, we all know coincidences happen, but we're afraid to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I said, what? I say, say what? And one of the things they didn't pay attention to, which I tried to urge her to do, but she wouldn't think about it much, is that a lot of the people who get who are recovered from depression as a result of the psychedelic psilocybin in this case relapse and why do they relapse partly because they go back into the same environment where their things aren't so great usually but one oh, of the yeah. ways to maintain yes and one of the ways to maintain their 
their newfound lack of depression may be the synchronicities that they experience during the drug experience and afterwards because synchronicity can be very healing and helpful in psychological change. Mm. Well, yes, this is all tightly woven together. The more you talk about this, how fascinating. Wow. And then I can add that there's good research now to suggest that meaningful coincidences can aid psychotherapy. Uh-huh. And how does that That's happen? Wonderful. Yeah. And how does that work? Yeah. Because whether they happen in therapy or not, uh, synchronicities in particular can help people develop psychological awareness, interpersonal awareness, and spiritual connectedness in ways that they hadn't done before. They can see more about who they are in the world and how connected they are with the people around them. Yeah, I think that's true. And and when I was reading your book, I was thinking about just that in terms of when these things happen and you notice them, because that's a big part of it, to notice them yes. happening. Yes, 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 um, yes. But, uh, you feel like you're not alone. Yes. You know, you feel like you're just not alone. And and how much of people's depression or anxiety or may, is is coming from that place of that they're all alone, there's no support, but coincidence, synchronicity, serendipity, it all comes together to make you feel like you're a part of this big supportive network. We are. We are, and I, I, as you mentioned, I'm the founder of the Coincidence Project, and our vision is to use meaningful coincidences, synchronicity and serendipity, to illuminate the hidden currents that connect and unite us, the hidden currents that connect and unite us. They show us those connections, and the most simple, common example is thinking of someone and Right around the time you're thinking of that person who you haven't thought of for a while, that person calls, that person texts. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're connected. And stories like that continue. I was just talking to another guy who, was, who told me that he's got a really good friend and he thinks about calling her and she's on the phone calling him. And that happens mm. regularly from one to the other. The coincidence show us that we are connected in ways that we currently aren't able to acknowledge scientifically. Yes. Yes. And as you mentioned when we were uh, talking off air, that this is a kind of like an invitation to the paranormal in some ways. It's a yes. doorway. Yes. Absolutely. And it is. And yes. as you, you were talking about it, just it's so these words that you're using in your book and uh, they're all accepted, and so it's it is a way to segue into some of the more uh, unusual experiences that people can have. But your book is great, and you broke everything down and so systematically. It's it's amazing how much information is in your book. I highly recommend it to everybody in our audience because it's very very enlightening. But you have different definitions for each thing, for coincidence, for synchronicity, for serendipity. So can you help us to understand that? Very important thing to be able to do. But first, I want to thank you for recognizing that that meaningful coincidences are doorways to the paranormal. Uh, that, yes. That's 
that's an important thing, especially that I can talk about with you. I might not be able to do it on other programs so much, but the 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 it's a doorway. It's a it's a hatch. <laughs> it's to open the yeah. hatch and you walk into something yeah. else. And what I've tried to do, and, and I've tried to use, as you mentioned, ordinary accepted ideas to build the case. And it's a stairway to go up and up into what I call the psychosphere, which I hope we might talk about, because in yeah, there certainly. is yet more about the paranormal. But let's do what you just mentioned, do some definitions here, because I want to make sure that you know, that we're all connected on that on the definitions because the definitions uh, people use are quite variable. Let's start yes. with uh, with uh, with coincidence, and then meaningful coincidence. Okay. The word coincidence is out there a lot. People, oh, that couldn't be a coincidence, or that's Yogi Berra once said, "That's too coincidental to be a coincidence," which is a nice way of talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, very clever. <laughs> yeah, very clever guy. Very clever guy. But the definition of a coincidence itself is the coming together of two or more events in a surprising, unexpected, and improbable way that seems to suggest a possible explanation, but we don't know if there is one or there isn't. And a corollary of that is if you find the cause of the coincidence, it's no longer a coincidence because you have an explanation for it. Ah, hmm. okay. Ted would not have thought that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's very a, interesting. I, it takes a while to like, I, I didn't find that out for a while, but I figured it out because <laughs> a, a lot of people were saying there are no coincidences. You've heard that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, there are of course. No co- there are no. So, who, from your experience, who are the people that say there are no coincidences? Well, it could be taken, I guess, two different ways, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. One, one by a total skeptic mind, and the and the other saying right. that everything is is something is that it, is yeah. planned. Yeah, it's yeah. all planned. Well, those two different ways um, end up in the same phrase, there are no coincidences, because the first mm-hmm. one, the, 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 I'll call them a pseudo-skeptic, because they don't allow new data in, they just know what's right. The, yeah. They tend to, to believe it's all, the universe is all random. Mm-hmm. It's all random. So in large populations, any weird thing can happen is what they say, and that's all random. So they know there are no coincidences because randomness randomness explains it. On the other hand are those who say the universe or God or fate uh, made it happen. It's already planned. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's, so there are no coincidences because God did it. <clears throat> this is one of those funny, I don't know if Einstein really said it, but coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. I like that. I like that. Good one. Yeah. I wonder if if you see the irony in that, because if this is God's way of remaining anonymous, he's no longer anonymous or she. Yeah, that's right. And that so it's a kind of a twisty thing, but it it 
that though both 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 of those that you mentioned say that you patricia p k have nothing to do with creating causing making a coincidence happen you have nothing to do with them you're deluded right. if you think you are right and i and i'm coming along saying as a therapist as a guy walking around in the world that i have something to do with some of these coincidences more or less it's not one on one to one i don't make all of them and sometimes I have a feeling that I go, oh, no, this is rigged. This whole thing is so weird. I mean, some of the stuff that happens to me is like, hey, wait yeah. a minute. So I kind of talk to the who's ever doing it and say, come on. this." So there's a mystery involved that I recognize. And there's randomness involved. Probability is involved. I recognize that. But there's also a degree of personal responsibility or relative free will. And nobody likes to think in, like, three terms like this. Most people want to have, like, well, it's this one or it's that one. But no, Mm -hmm. it's not. There are multiple explanations that are only personal, that multiple ways people create coincidences. And there are variables in the randomness and the mystery. Maybe, you know, as you talk about on your show, there are things going on around here that may be mystery, but we're trying to uncover how they influence us here, too. Right. How do they really and truly affect our lives? Yes. 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 And there are things out there. And for, for me, it's been, it's been fun, fun, educational to feel the presence of my grandfather recently. Uh, he, he was complaining. This is, he, he died a long time ago. Uh, he he was kind of complaining to me in this in this fugue state I was in this in between dream and something uh, that okay I'm I'm memorializing my father his son with a particular story that got me involved deeply into the coincidence business and he said what about me and by the oh. way do you remember those slinkies that you used to play with. Remember those slinkies that slid <laughs> down the oh, stairs? Gosh, that yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, metal down the steps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, sure. so, they're so funny because they go down this, and you have seen something recently that looks like a slinky, and that something you've seen is the cover of my book. It's got a spiral on right. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I want to give uh, my grandchildren uh. a slinky if I can find one. You know that there are other spirits out there uh, making some kind of communication with with us. And if you get into this coincidence business, you end up having to believe, yes, there's more to it than just the three-dimensional world that we think we are living Mm -hmm. in. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So much more than we ever anticipated. Yes. Yeah. Much larger. Perhaps you'd like me to go on to synchronicity next. Yes, but I I wanted to ask you a question about your grandfather. So you said your grandfather was was communicating with you in some way, saying, "What about me?" So was was he trying to help you remember a time when you had a, a an experience with him that was profound, as profound as the one you had with your father? Um, the only one I have with him. And I don't think it's true, 
you know how you can have memories that aren't true. But somehow mm-hmm. it got mm-hmm. stuck in my mind that uh, after I was born, he went from New York to Cleveland, where I was born, and uh, to Detroit, where, where I was born, and sat by my crib for hours. Uh, and it may have happened. Yeah, it may have happened in New York. I, I don't know, but there was something about my grandfather sitting near me when I was quite small, because he was a refugee from Nazi Germany, and mm. he had his son had a son in while the Holocaust was going on, and that was extremely important to him for lots okay. of reasons. And he died shortly yeah. after that. Oh, my. So you didn't really get a chance to spend years with him at all. Very well, in a way, I, I have a, a prayer book uh, that was given to him by his father, that was given to him by his father, printed in 1819. And this <laughs> prayer book we have passed on to... Uh, the first son, so now my son has it, and he's going to give it to his son probably. But he may give it to his daughter. I don't know. Things have changed. Yeah, exactly. That's well, that's true. fascinating. So what an interesting, yeah, very interesting history Thank with you. your grandfather, great-grandfather. Yes. So, yeah, you're going to now tell us about synchronicity. That's a little different. <laughs> what a thing to do, huh? Synchronicity. Yeah. Well, as most people know, um, the word was invented by Carl Jung. Uh, and what most people don't know is that what, you, when, what Jung meant by synchronicity was an explanation for meaningful coincidences, not the meaningful coincidences themselves. These days, people see a meaningful coincidence and often call it a synchronicity. And so that's in the general population uh, vocabulary now. But synchronicity to Jung was an a-causal connecting principle by which meaning connected the two parts of a coincidence. Like somebody calls, you're expecting the person, you're thinking about that person, so it's a meaningful connection between the two people. So he thought meaning connected the two parts of a coincidence. I think that was a holding pattern for an idea that I'm trying to develop. Uh, Holding pattern in sciences are very important because you have an idea that seems to describe something that you want to investigate better, so you investigate the idea more deeply, uh, which I have tried to do with what Jung meant by synchronicity. But for people out there in the world uh, who call meaningful coincidence synchronicity, Jungians tend to think that synchronicity is primarily coincidences that help with interpersonal, psychological, and spiritual development. In other words, it's psychotherapy by meaningful coincidences. Hmm. When I was a youngster, I used to dream of my grandmother's passing. I was very close to her. But she lived in a small town, and the church bells always went off at midnight, and I heard that. And in my dream, I always saw my father kneeling next to my bed, telling me my grandmother had passed at midnight. This went on for a number of years. And when the time came, I was a junior in high school, I woke up, my father was kneeling next to my bed to tell me my grandmother had died at midnight. And I'd heard the church bells again. But that 
I had drummed that for on and off for so many years that the climax of it transpiring was very un, unsettling because then you start thinking, are all things falling into line in that capacity or, or is it simply an imagination that's working with you? So how does one classify their uh, dream state with reality? Uh, that's a beautiful story, and with a, with a, the downside of the death, and your being young, experiencing this. So my first question for you is, what did this sequence mean to you? I, it, it gave me a, a reconnection or a, a stronger connection with my father, because yeah. he was he was a stabling factor. That uh, because and it was his mother actually that uh, was the one I was so close to over the years, and I used to stay with her over the summers and things. But, but it was very unsettling that I would have that dream throughout my growing up years, and then when I was I guess in a junior in high school, it, it came to fruition that, and then she did she passed at midnight, and uh, it was all as if the, what I had seen in my dream for so many years. Um, there's a precognitive element to very much of what you just said. You mm-hmm. anticipated her death at midnight. Right. And it was exactly when she passed. Well, I've never heard one precognitive story I don't hear I don't, there's some a lot of them I haven't heard where it's repeated as it had been repeated for you until it reaches fruition it, it begins to challenge our ideas about time uh, that somehow you're able to even know because you were so close to her you were able mm-hmm. to know something about her that you didn't really want to know and nobody told you yeah but you're you're right, Doctor Whiteman. That that's unusual, PK, that you would dream that so far in advance of her passing, and so many times in advance yeah. of her yeah, passing. And it wasn't Usually, every it's once. Event. No, it wasn't an every night event for sure. But it was throughout my growing up years that it. And I never paid attention to the actual time frame of it. I'd have to go back and, and look in the family Bible just to see when she passed to get a better idea of the timing for that. But it, like I said, it wasn't an every night event. It was different times that this would transpired. It was just as realistic as it was when it actually transpired. Hmm. Well, what I had a, an experience that was something like that. Um, uh, this was in 1973, uh, in San Francisco on February 26th. Uh, my birthday was February 27th, the next day. And 11 p.m. San Francisco time, I found myself standing at the sink in this old Victorian with something in my throat. I couldn't get it out. I couldn't get it out. I couldn't get it out. And then after what seemed like a long time, uh, I stopped choking, and the next day, my brother called, 
to tell me that uh, our father had died at 2 a.m. Wilmington, Delaware time, 3,000 miles away, which was the same as time I was choking. And he was mm-hmm. choking on his own blood. He was choking on his own blood and dying. Mm. Okay. So I said, wait a minute, what is this? What is this? And I've told that story in each of my two books, and I tell other people about it. And this was what I meant, my grandfather meant about honoring my father. Remember the Mm -hmm. Ten Commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. And this is like honoring my father. And this is my grandfather saying, what about me? Honor me, too, because he was my son. And I'm honoring him Mm -hmm. by, by telling you about him and about his visit to me trying to say he wants to get in on this stuff himself so i i think that's i i think it's pretty Uh funny because what i knew about him was he was a very germanic man and very stern so it's kind of funny Uh to have him showing up like this what i learned from that what i learned from that was that i needed to ask do other people have experiences like this? Do they? I wondered. So I asked the weird coincidence survey that I put together uh, in 2006 at the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. Asked that question among other questions. Do you feel the pain or distress of a loved one at a distance? And some and people said, mm-hmm. sometimes. You wouldn't want that going on all the time. Twins have that going on a lot, uh, particularly identical twins. One, one twin said in a study out of uh, New Zealand that, you know, I, wish, I sure wish Jimmy would take better care of himself. Because <laughs> the, other, the twin, other twin was feeling Jimmy's pain and oh. didn't want to feel that anymore. Uh, that that does it does happen with some regularity, but with some people, but not that often. So I gave this a name. Uh, simultaneity is the name I gave it to her to this. Simultaneously feeling someone at a distance, and you may recognize that uh, definition because telepathy was at first tele at a distance, pathy feeling. Telepathy yeah, originally right. was this simultaneity. So I gave it a new na- I gave it a new name to bring it out because uh, it's something like uh, what PK described. It's knowing something about the distress of a loved one. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one, uh, but not knowing how you know about it. Yeah, and that it, it's, that leads. Go ahead, please. No, I, that's that's right. And and like you're saying that I don't mean to finish your sentence, but. Yeah, that leads into a whole other realm of how connected we are, how we communicate on different levels mm-hmm. that we're not even conscious of. That I'm trying to help us be conscious of. Right. Oh, that's and that's such important work. That really is. And, and now that I said that, I haven't really said it quite like that before. Uh, that, that psychoanalysis <laughs> and Jungian analysis was helping to make the unconscious conscious so i'm doing the same thing those guys were doing but it's about stranger things because we telepathy is real and these are examples of being able to communicate in ways we don't 
generally recognized in science, but the data is there in some of the studies. The Ryan, the Ryan ones have shown us that, but other people's stories show us that, that we are mm-hmm. able to tune into other people's minds, and they're able to tune in to mine, too. Right. There's someone I'm, I'm there's... really... Con- Go ahead. Do you feel that there's a time trade that it's that it's instantaneous or that these uh, information can come to you well in advance of something happening? Yes, the, both of them are true. Both of them are true. The, yeah, because when I'm one that hates to write letters, I usually call. So my husband and I were transferred overseas. My mother said, "Don't call. Write. Learn to write." And Lo and behold, my husband passed away while we were overseas, and his picture fell off the wall that morning at my mother's place. And when I called, she already knew but was that something that major had transpired. Yeah. Hmm. I just heard one about perfume bottles exploding in one person's bathroom. When oh my goodness! Somebody she was con- connected to died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, this also happens with animals. Yes, and thank you. I'm, yes. That's a, and that's so, I think also very important because animals have I think a superior consciousness in some ways, and we tend to ignore that, but they're very perceptive in, in ways that we're not. As mm-hmm. one Native American leader once said, every animal knows more than you do, and I believe that. But, yeah, I had an experience with my dog, Hermes. Before we actually picked him up, um, my husband and I picked out a Shih Tzu puppy. He's adorable, about the size of a guinea pig, really tiny. <laughs> and the the breeder so was very, yeah, she was very cautious and didn't want to have any of the puppies leave too soon, which I thought was good. However, now, I was a dream therapist for years. My husband doesn't believe in any of this, and he he hardly ever remembers his dreams. But this, this one night, we both had a similar dream where there was a problem with the wood stove at the breeder's house, and Hermes was telling us, you have to take me home now. So... Both of us shared this very similar dream, and I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? She's not going to let this puppy go mm-hmm. home with us right away. Well, then we had a few days later, a few nights later, we had a similar dream, only this time it was more dire. I dreamt that the house burned down where the, where the puppies were, and my husband dreamt uh, that there was this, this horrible problem with the wood stove, and on and on it went. So I called her. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I, I really would like to take our puppy home now. And we're very responsible <laughs> people. You know, I promise you that, you know, this puppy is going to have the greatest life, and we just need to take him home now. And we did. So she agreed to it, and we brought him home. And a couple months later, I called her. And I said, you know, we love Hermes so much. And how are the other puppies doing? Did they all go home? And she said, oh, no. She said, I had a terrible problem with my wood stove, and all Mm -hmm. the puppies got sick. So they're still here, and they're all on antibiotics. I mean, it was an amazing experience, but I I mean, 
I knew that that puppy was communicating with us. He knew mm-hmm. what was happening, that there was a problem there, and it was just going to get worse. So great example that that animals know what's going on, and they know how to get their message across if you're open to it. If you're open mm-hmm. to it. And your husband wasn't, yeah. so... That's a pretty powerful thought pattern from that puppy. <laughs> Hermes Yes. Hermes is messenger of the gods. He was a messenger That's, of his own life right there. He was. That's how he got his name. <laughs> oh, that's how he got his name. <laughs> ah, the mystery gets a little solved. But the bigger mystery besides Hermes, the name, is you and your husband having this, almost the same dream, maybe twice, Yes, I love these. I love these same dream people having the same dream uh, stuff. What do you make out of that? Yeah, I, you know, I'll tell you. I think my husband's love for that puppy was mm-hmm. such a strong mm-hmm. connection that that's why that dream came to him. That's just my opinion. But he just absolutely fell in love with Hermes as soon as he saw him, and. So I, I know he was thinking about him a lot before we brought him home, and I think it created that pathway. So he yeah, had that makes sense too. to me. And did he mm-hmm. change his mind about any of the weird stuff his wife gets into? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but he does tell everybody that that his dream was more accurate than mine. <laughs> He said, well, in my dream, there was a big problem. You know, in your dream, there was a big fire, so mine was more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a way, that's that's him admitting that there's something going on here. That's what's funny about it. there's, I'll tell you, Dr. Beitman, there's, and, and PK will back me up in this, there's always paranormal events going on here on the property, oh, in yeah. the house. Uh, There's just so much going on. It's, I think he has a full-time job trying to d- deny it. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he does. He does try to deny yeah. it, but he has to live with it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So and I wouldn't be surprised if in that house there is some PK going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes. There's a there's a lot of situations that over the years that I marvel at afterwards, and I look back and I go, that couldn't really be true. That really didn't happen like that, but it did. And there's so many different things that transpire. Do you feel that some people are more prone to picking up on this than others? when it comes to uh, this type of situation or what they feel or what they get? Uh, in in my book, uh, Meaningful Coincidences, How, mm-hmm. How and Why Serendipity and Synchronicity Happen, uh, I address the idea of coincidence sensitivity. Yes, mm-hmm. people vary in their coincidence sensitivity, and they can go to my website, uh, which is coincider.com, uh, and use the word coincider because somebody who experiences a lot of coincidences like the two of you would be called the coincider not just an experiencer that's too general a coincider is somebody who sees mm-hmm. a lot of coincidences and coincider.com you can see the 
weird coincidence survey. It's at the bottom of one of the pages. And you can get a measure of your own coincidence sensitivity. Oh, great. Wonderful to look at. Yeah. Definitely. Now, we have another an, another one to talk about, which is serendipity, which is something else in, entirely. Uh, and not so something else entirely, because the two words are often used uh, as interchangeable. Think of a Venn diagram, two circles, uh, and there's a bunch of hatched area that they share in common in the way people use the term. But I, I keep serendipity as more of an operational in the world thing. It's finding stuff, uh, finding mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that you're interested in. It's another way, a simple way of saying it is happy accidents. That somehow accidentally, who knows what that means, you find something of usefulness to yourself. And there are a couple of ways of doing mm-hmm. that. One is to be looking for something and then in a completely different way of looking, you find what you were looking for, but if you continued the way you were doing, you wouldn't have. And the other one is just not paying much attention and just wandering around through life, but you have some ideas about things and you accidentally run into something that really is useful to you. It's still happy accidents as a way of understanding uh, serendipity. And a good way of describing serendipity is... The dog that trots about finds the bone. Oh. You've got to be moving mm. around to make stuff happen. Okay. And the richer the environment is, the more stuff you'll run into. That's why I add the dog that trots about finds the bone, especially if the dog trots about near a butcher shop. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. When you use the the phrase, make things happen, can we make things happen by our thoughts? You may be talking uh, about the secret and uh, uh, visualization um, uh, and Mm -hmm. manifesting. Uh, And people have different ideas about how that works. But when I read the first uh, book about the secret, uh, read the secret, One of the ways of being able to make things happen, the author suggested, was by putting an image of a $10,000 bill on the ceiling of your bedroom and lying on the bed and looking at that $10,000 bill representation, and that's going to bring money to you. Well, I'm much more tuned that you have to be doing something out in the world to make something happen. So part of the manifestation or imagining has to do with uh, doing something. I, I wanted right. to r- run the opening kickoff of a football game. I played football in high school and in college, and I loved running with the ball. And I wanted to run the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. I did it twice. And the second time, it was a magical time. It was 97 yards, and a lot of things happened. And I have it on uh, – I have the old film on my on my website uh, of of my run, and it, it I imagined it, I worked at it, and then it happened. But that wasn't the only one of those weird things that happened on the football field. This was something I didn't imagine, but I kind of did. I loved returning punts for 
for kick for touchdowns and we were playing Johns Hopkins my senior year. I went to Swarthmore College, which is near Philadelphia, and it was a. I played in, uh, in Division Three football. It wasn't. Uh, it was. It wasn't hit hard, hit hard kind of thing. And one day mm-hmm. on a Thursday before our Johns Hopkins game, something, and you know about this. You feel an urge and you follow it. You know this. I know you do. And right. your listeners, mm-hmm. some of them know it too. Oh, These definitely. Ur- these urges, you have to know which ones to respond to, but some of them are so compelling and so real that you just do it. And I just was like a puppet on a string. I walked away from where everybody was practicing on the big practice field and walked to the smaller practice field and set up two tackling dummies. They're about three feet high and kind of stuffed with some hard stuff. And I put two of them right next to each other with maybe a foot or two between them, got a football, walked 10 yards away from the tackling dummies, turned around, crunched down on the football, and then turned back around and ran between the two tackling dummies. And then I did it a second time and went back to play with the rest of the guys. And I just, I just did it again like on automatic. So on Saturday um, at Johns Hopkins, I was getting kind of mad because the punter, their punter, couldn't kick the ball very well, and I wanted to run the ball back. And finally, I, I hear the loudspeaker guy saying, "And he's gotten off a great punt." And I see it arc into the air, and I have to turn around and catch it over my shoulder. So I'm, I turn back around, just like with the, with the tackling dummies. I turn back around. And there are two Johns Hopkins guys right next to each other coming right at me. So I knew what to oh do. My. I ran right between yeah. them. Wow. 90 yards. Fabulous. How exciting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's great. Now, when you were doing this, I mean, you, you talk about it, was, it felt natural when you did the practice, you know, the practice run, but how much of this, Coincidence, synchronicity, serendipity is all about being in alignment or being in sync so that these things can happen. A lot. That's the that's when they happen regularly and I'm I'm in the synchronicity flow these days. I mean uh I'm in a lot of podcasts, my books out, getting some positive reviews and I so much appreciate your compliments about it. You never know what's gonna happen. And so I'm like I'm like spreading the fairy dust of coincidences around so people tell me, oh, mm-hmm. I talked to you and I had a coincidence. Uh, you know Whitley Strieber probably? Uh, yeah, he's was, been on the show. Uh, he's been on the show. Mm-hmm. So I was on his show and, and we had a great time talking with each other. Uh, and a couple of days, and we talked about Jung and the Scarab. And the Scarab story is prominent. Uh, it's a, Jung's Scarab story is probably the most often repeated coincidence story, synchronicity story uh, in the world, at least the, the English-speaking world. And he knew about this, the Scarab story, of course. So he writes to me a couple of days afterwards, and he says, I've lived in this house. He lives in Santa Monica. I lived in this house for 18 years, or this apartment. I lived in this apartment for 18 years, and this is the first time I ever saw a Scarab beetle on my property oh my gosh wow for heaven's sakes 
Yeah, perfect example. <laughs> yep, yep. And you got to be yeah. in the. You have to, the flow really helps. How do you get into the flow? How how, how do you do that? I just say I'm. I'm in alignment or I'm in sync, which is even shorter and easier to say. I just say I'm in sync. And and then these things, lots of things, start to come together quickly. So, for example, and I, I learned how to do this actually with a dream because one night I did an experiment and I just said, I'm in sync. And in the dream, what happened was everybody in the dream was talking one at a time to me, but I was saying the same words they were saying. So uh-huh. there was, there I was in sync. So I had that experience. It was, and I was like, okay, there it is. That's what it's like. So that now I just, I just make that statement, and I have experiences that I recognize. That's, the, but that's a big key too, isn't it? Because a lot of these things are happening, and people don't even notice it. Yes, and that's why we are talking, <laughs> so that people recognize them and tell each other what we are doing, tell each other coincidence stories, because that will sensitize you to your own coincidence stories. Mm-hmm. It's okay, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about synchronicity and serendipity and to wonder about what they mean for you and how the world works. What I what I got from what you just said, there's a superhero that liked to say Shazam and become a and go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You go. Uh, I'm in sync. Yeah. That's that's really cool that you can just say a quick phrase like that, and then the stuff starts happening. That that's the most that's the most control over having let me say, weird stuff happening or meaningful coincidences happening Mm -hmm. or parapsychological things happening. That's the simplest way I've ever heard anybody do that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, I I like simple. (laughs) Go ahead, PK. Me too. I end up up finding that I'll, I'll use that. I'm getting that gut feeling, and I don't know why I use that phrase, but every time I, quote, get that gut feeling, something transpires because of or about the situation. Well, that's, that's you learning yourself, uh, learning your how you operate, your, the mechanism mm-hmm. of this machine, this human machine that we are in control of, that we are placed in, our earth suit that we are part of and we identify with. And some people, the gut feeling is a major way of getting information. For others, it's mm-hmm. what the heart tells you. Uh, I need to listen to my heart more and more. It talks to me, uh, kind of complains and barks almost, and says, "No, you better like listen to pay, pay, pay attention to this." Uh, and then, and then I have a lot of uh, intuitive ways. Uh, I'm a Pisces, and uh, I got um, a Cancer rising, and my Moon's in Cancer Leo, and I was raised oh my by, goodness. yeah, two yeah. parents. <laughs> Two parents who were Pisces and a brother who was Cancer. So I was raised in a puddle. Yeah, sure were. <laughs> Gosh, so the sensitivity that you have is is just that's that's who you are. I mean, that's a huge amount of sensitivity. 
It is. It is. For sure. Well, please feel sorry for the poor Pisces. You know how miserable I we are. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my mother was a Pisces. <laughs> oh, oh such a gosh, tough one. so is I mine. Mean, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, my mother was a Pisces also. So, yes, yeah. oh, you have our deepest sympathies. Thank oh, you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> And and also, I have to say this, that being a male uh, in our society, even today, in having that much sensitivity, that's a lot to manage. Especially since my sensitivity has increased a lot um, by studying coincidences. Yeah. And one of the ways it's increased, one of the ways, is by um, communicating with trees uh, I have dialogues with some trees uh, in kind of 20 minutes from my house, and I like to go visit them, uh, and I form a, a four-sided figure with them, a rhombus. Uh, it's not a square, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a square, and uh, we kind of create this uh, rhombus together, and I connect with the the three of them, and we exchange some energy. Uh, I get a strong feeling with them, and they help me feel better pretty regularly when I get out there. And all they demand, all they want from me, which isn't the only thing, but that's the simple thing they want from me, is for me to sing them a song. Oh, no they kidding. Like huh. Yes, they like me to sing songs to them. And they have some favorites. Um, really? Uh, yeah, they have some favorites. They, they like... Uh, uh, over the rainbow, um, because it's, oh. there's, there's birds and flying around in there, and sky, and they see a lot of sky, of course. Uh, and right. Another one they liked, which is probably don't know, but it's uh, it's um, about uh, a boy and a girl, where she lives on the morning side of the mountain, and he lives on the twilight side of the hill. Yep. You know that one. Yeah, yeah, well, yes, I, I, I like singing that. it, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, I love the singer, uh, and, and I, I sing it. I sing that whole thing to them, and they they like they like that one. I think it's the mountain thing and the sun. They like that too. But I sing other ones to them, and they communicate with me. And more and more, um, it's getting to be like uh, we're together. That I'm part of the forest when I go out there. Not all the time, but. Sometimes, uh, so that's one that's one way that I'm increasingly sensitized. Another way is I go to something that's like five rhythms dance um, on a Friday, on Friday night, and Sunday morning, and it's kind of do whatever you feel like doing dancing, but it really isn't. There are some ways to dance, but you can dance on your own. You could dance with somebody or you can do something called contact improv, which I don't do much. And there's a creative, there's a creation of an energy field at dance where telepathy is really much more evident and feeling other people's experiences much more evident. Part of the fun is just being in the pool of energy of the people there and then picking up stuff from each one of us and trying to be able to maybe do something with it or not. Hmm. Wow. Well, what you just shared about the trees is so beautiful. And I know you've just given our whole audience a lot of ideas on how to connect. <laughs> With, with nature in a whole new way, and that's beautiful. And certainly dance is such a powerful 
experience to do with other people like as you're experiencing. Really excellent, excellent stuff. Well, you have a very well, the, interesting life, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and my therapist says that too. My therapist says that too. <laughs> I tell her I tell her stories, and yes, she, she didn't believe a lot of them at first, but now she just heard too many of them. She's like, she's pretty like regular person kind of thing. And she, oh, oh no, gosh. not another. She goes, oh yeah. gosh, she goes, and stuff like that. And, and so it's fun to kind of blow her mind a little bit. Uh, it, it's I an interesting bet. life, but the, big, the biggest part of it is to be able to have the opportunity to talk with people who understand it, like the two of you. That's and to be able yeah. to have other people listening to it. This is part of my job in this world: is to be able to in, to increase, do what we're doing, each other's telling each other coincidence stories. It's the main objective mm-hmm. mission of the Coincidence Project. Yeah, it's so it's so important. I have to say that again, the work that you're doing with this is major, because again, there's there's so many wonderful things that are happening as a result of your work, and I'm so glad you're on the show with us tonight to continue oh, to spread your message. Yeah, isn't this great, PK? This is great. Oh, it's so, wonderful. Yeah, so we're thrilled nice that you're here with us and open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, we all need to pay more attention to this. And again, everybody, the yes. name of Dr. Beitman's book is Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. So, again, it's it's brilliant the way you're bringing this about and sharing this with people and encouraging us all to talk about this more. Because, yeah, you're right, there is still a hesitancy for people to talk about it. You know, people don't like to be made fun of or feel that they're on the outside rather than the inside of groups. So, yeah, this is like giving a big permission slip to everybody. That's part of the reason mm-hmm. I call it coincider because it also means somebody who's an insider with other people. Yes. Coincider. Yes. So it has a double meaning so that we increase the number of people who are coinciders, part of being people who experience coincidences and being able to tell each other about it. So I'm starting here in Charlottesville, uh, a, a what we call a coincidence cafe. Uh, I have one online um, that, that meets once a month. Uh, where we talk about synchronicity, serendipity in various ways. And if you come to the Coincidence Cafe, you may have a cup of serendipity. (laughs) How cute. (laughs) That's great. You know, I could see these cafes like popping up all over the country in, you know, like brick and mortar cafes. That would be so amazing. Well, thank you cuz I'm seeing a franchise too. <laughs> yeah. I yes. Mean, hey, maybe 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 another time, maybe not here we can talk about how that might work uh, cuz uh, I don't know. But you're the you. I, I, what's nice about what you're saying is that I haven't had anybody else say that to me. I've thought about this franchising thing uh, on my own, and here you are picking up on the vibe of it. So thank you for for confirming that idea. 
Oh, it sounds like so much fun. And, oh, my goodness, the possibilities are are just endless in what you could accomplish with that. Yeah. (laughs) I want one in my town. What's your town? Well, look at how many people opened up by something like that. Pardon? Fabulous. How many minds that could be opened? I said, how many minds that could be opened by something like that taking place? What yes. a wonderful growth in a positive way. Yes. Yes. And, and, and getting back to nature, which I, I so appreciate your emphasizing with your message from Hermes to the rest of the world. That yeah. The, 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 each of us may have certain, let me say, living creatures, uh, and those are plants and animals, but uh, there are things that aren't plants too, like fung- fungi, which I know somebody who's oh, yeah. a big fungi, and they aren't they aren't plants uh, in the way we think of it. There's something else. They get, they got a mind of their own. Those things, um, those <laughs> yes, fungi, they and they mm-hmm. and they give mm-hmm. us psilocybin too. That's the nice little plants give us psilocybin. That that each of us has a, a probably a spectrum of nature that we are more capable of communicating with than maybe someone else does. I've been having an avocado tree in my life grown from a seed for many, many years. I've got four or five of them now in my house. I used to only have one. And I love avocados. They used to be my friends. And they are my friends. They they accompany me. Uh, I, I love them. I talk to them. I be with them. And they help me with my patients sometimes. They're kind of advisors with me. My patients recognize them. And so I've been tuned to trees for quite a while. I first yeah. first talked with a tree uh, in Mount, on Mount Tamalpais, north of San Francisco. I was mm-hmm. up there uh, walking around. I was getting near dusk, and I was leaning against, or looking, leaning against, or standing next to a tree. And I said <clears throat> to the tree, "What are you doing here?" To the tree. And the tree telepathically said to me, I'm standing here. Hmm. I said, yes, you are. I mean, that was a direct (laughs) statement of what that tree was doing. He answered my question. And since then, I got stopped by some trees the other day. Uh, I I was walking by them on a path, and as a kind of like, I said, What's, what do you want? I mean, I, they, they, they kind of stopped me like one of those uh, electric eye things that open up doors. It was kind of like mm-hmm. that. I was walking into the beam of the tree, and uh, oh, it, need, it wanted me to pull down some ivy that was growing on it. So uh, I did that for the tree, too. And there's other stories like that, but I've communicated with bugs. I had a couple of mosquitoes in my house during one this past winter, and uh, I kept feeding them blueberries because I found out they oh. like blueberries and they're and they're supposed oh to die goodness. after six weeks. Supposed to die after six weeks, but they lasted until the spring. I said, "No, you guys got to go out there and go, yeah. go out on your own." So I sent them out. But oh, one of them or both of them liked to while I was on doing a video uh, on Zoom or something. One of them liked to land on my nose. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Gosh. Yeah. Well, I give you credit. I wouldn't be talking to them. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I'd be out with the slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. We each have our, our animals that we are connectable with. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, it's you know, I see these people that are are uh, taking in raccoons as pets and possums, and it's really opened my mind a lot to because I love all kinds of animals, but I never think of having a possum in my home as a pet. But there are yeah. a lot of people who do, and yeah. so right. it's an interesting life, and mm-hmm. and it's fun to watch them with their with their animals. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a different level of communication, and I'm always impressed by how they communicate with these animals too. Yes, yes, yes. But but I, we often forget about the trees, you know. And, and I'm so glad you brought this back around. I mean, I'm surrounded by trees up here, and I rarely talk to them. It's shame on me. I I really need to to communicate with them. And thank you again for sharing your experiences. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. You don't, You're welcome. You don't think about that factor, unfortunately, that we should. Well, if, if, if you like to sing, which I do, it turns out to be pretty good because they like me to sing to them. And I practice. I, I sing in the regular world, too, but that's where I learned uh, to be confident about singing with the trees. Ah, they were your audience. They were my audience. Good audience, too. Mm. They appreciated it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. No, that's wonderful. Now, I have to ask you, since you, I know you have a son, you mentioned a son, and what do your children think of this? Um, one of them is not unlike your husband. Oh no! <laughs> Dad's dad. He, oh, he's gl- he's glad I've got something to occupy my very busy mind. That's that's his way of thinking about it. Until one day, he says, "I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you." And he told me a story. He was going to dinner, but he had just told somebody else that he couldn't go to dinner who wanted to go out to dinner with him, a friend or a colleague from work. And so he was walking oh, to dinner with to meet these other people, and he took three or four different turns to get to the restaurant he was going to, and he ended up running into the person who he didn't want to have dinner with. Oh, no. And he he just he just uh, had to tell me. But did, sometimes when you have a coincidence like that, which I thought might have happened with your husband, simultaneous dreaming, that is such a weird, wonderful thing. And he's still mm-hmm. not paying attention to it. He's an example of he's trying to pay attention to it by saying he's better. So he brings it up, even though he has to, like, say he's better than you in some way or other. He's still bringing right. it up, which is to his credit. But he also puts it down by having to be competitive about it. But it's in him. He can't get right. rid of it. There's something there, something there nudging him. And I don't know yes. if that's happening with my older son. With my younger son, uh, I, I, I don't know if I don't know if any of you either of you remember. Maybe you do. But when I was in high school, there was something called junior achievement. Oh uh, yeah. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah, where the kids yeah. got together after school and may, had a business. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had a, so you had to start and decide what you're going to do, and then make it, and then you had to sell it. Yeah. So I was telling my younger son who lives in Denver about junior achievement because we were talking about him and his business, 
and he walks into the elevator in his apartment building, and he hears someone talking about junior achievement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so and, is he more he accepting does. of this? Yes. He has to be because okay. more of them happen to him. He just he gets kind of irritated with it because he doesn't want me to be right about this stuff. But he knows <laughs> I am because he experiences so much of it. They, but they they don't. It's funny when you're living with somebody, like with your husband Patricia, and I. I know other people who have spouses who just don't go along with their weird ideas and. It's a it's a funny thing. I don't understand it sometimes because uh, it's difficult, uh, but it's also the fact. And sometimes that other person creates a balance, so you're a little more obje- objective about it. And that's one way to think that it might be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I mean, I I see all of these worlds that PK and I explore through the show and mm-hmm. in our personal lives. It's so enriching. And that we haven't even scratched the surface of potential and how they can really help us and help us to grow, transform, to see things more openly. There's just so much here. Mm -hmm. And I think people who don't want to see this, they're missing so much. Well, I call them supposed to be. There's so many supposed to be's out there. And each one is so enlightening and gets our attention to make us look a little deeper, a little more involved with what's taking place. Exactly, and that's what I attempt to do with my book, trying to have the mm-hmm. credentials I have and try to be clear about it and having worked on it from, well, at least formally since 2006. But really, I've been studying coincidence since I was nine because I had a big one then. And so I've been trying to understand this so that I could communicate it to other people so that they can do what you're suggesting many people should do, which is pay attention to them. And one of the mm-hmm. things that's hap- that I've found are circumstances that for regular people, not your Shazam thing, uh, that's a wonderful <laughs> ability that you've got there, but the, for regular people, it's like not superheroes like you, it's like to be able to like, recognize the conditions under which coincidences, meaningful coincidences, are more likely to happen. And these include major life stressors, and that can be the death Mm -hmm. of a spouse or a loved one. Uh, And vacations can be stressors too, but not much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Need, when there's a lot of need, and when there's high emotion. Under those circumstances, people have coincidences. And you need to be aware of the possibility that when you're going through a big transition with a lot of emotion and need, they may be showing up. They're more regular than, than they might be when you're just running your regular life. Yeah. The reason, well, the reason that's the... important. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The reason that's important is because humanity is now going through a very, very big change. There's a whole bunch of stressors on us where uh, Gaia might be like talking to us about what she doesn't like about what we're doing. COVID Mm -hmm. may be an expression. Uh, All the wildfires, we're burning too much stuff and consuming too much, taking too much from her. Maybe those are messages, 
but they are destabilizing humanity. So this is a huge transitional time, or a huge stressor time for humanity, and there's a great need to try to figure it out, and there's a lot of emotion with what might happen. So this may be a better time to be for people to be more open to paranormal experiences, including meaningful mm-hmm. coincidences. Absolutely. It's, it's so necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy out there right now. And yeah. uh, people say it may get worse, so, yeah. And, again, one thing I wanted to mention about your book that I like so much, it was it's so grounded. All the energy is very grounded. It's very mm-hmm. specific. You know, it's a step-by-step. And, again, this is why I recommend this book highly to our audience. It's just so helpful the way you break it down, and then you give all these other examples of, of what you're talking about. So it's very easy to integrate. It's very easy to digest this material, understand it, and bring it into our lives. So good job, Dr. Reitman. <laughs> <That'll be great. laughs> well, thank you very much for that compliment. Uh, I really do appreciate that because you never know what, you, what you've done. I just try to do as good a job as I can with it because I'm so passionate about the need for people to start paying attention to these things. Yeah, which certainly we shows all in do. the book. Yeah. Definitely. What is the most, uh, I would say, the most shocking or surprising experience or story that you've heard about synchronicity or coincidence? Which, which one really stands out for you? There's a section in the book called Six Puzzling Cases, which uh, includes uh, six puzzling cases. But the simplest one, uh, the simplest puzzling one, some people don't want to pay attention to, but I think it's, I think it's the biggest puzzle of them all. The other five are individual stories that are well documented. I've I've heard them from people. Or they're on the interview has been on is on YouTube for one of them. Uh, one of them is about two girls named Laura Buxton. Uh, mm-hmm. One Laura Buxton's grandfather was at his golden anniversary wedding anniversary with his wife, and the family was celebrating. And this and Laura Buxton was like uh, there with him, but her grandfather was upset because. Laura, Laura Buxton wanted a friend, and she didn't have a friend. And here we're talking about life transition, um, 50, 50th wedding anniversary, and need. I want my granddaughter to have a friend and emotion, all the feelings people were having at the family about the event. So he took one of the helium balloons that they were using to celebrate, and he attached a note to the balloon that said, Please return to Laura Buxton. You hmm. left, get, left a, a phone number and address. Well, he let the balloon go, and the balloon traveled 140 miles. This is in England. The balloon traveled 140 miles and landed in a hedge. And the man who owned the hedge came out and found the balloon and saw the note that said, please return to Laura Buxton. So he picked it out of the hedge and went next door because there was a girl named Laura Buxton who lived there. 
Wow. So they, the parents thought this was such an interesting coincidence that they brought the girls together and the girls dressed similarly and they had three of the same pets and they were both <gasps> 10 years old. Oh, they my goodness. They were both goodness. 10 years old. They became really good friends and we're friends uh, for the next 10 years, at least as far as I could read their story. So the grandfather's wish had come true. The puzzling part of that is how did that balloon travel 140 miles intact to get to that bush? Yes. How did that happen? Oh, my goodness. Well... Uh, people on uh, NPR um, uh, had a sh- had a show um, trying to explain it. Um, it was uh, Radio Lab was the show, and all they could do was probability. The, the, in large numbers of events, any weird thing can happen. But 140 miles. What I concluded from that, without knowing a good answer for it for what we're talking about here. What I concluded from that, as well as several other stories, what you're looking for may also be looking for you. Mm, Ah. Right. You think that might be true? I do, yes. I I have to go along with that, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. It went on angels' wings. On angels' wings. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the story that maybe we can we can we can get to our end with is the last story in that puzzle six puzzling cases is um, the strange case of the sun and the moon. If you look up in the sky, the sun and the moon, which are ninety three million miles apart, appear to be exactly the same size as in a lunar eclipse when the sun eclipses. When the moon eclipses the sun and everything gets dark for a little while, the sun and the moon are the same size appearing to us. What a coincidence. Or what a coincidence? So to me, those two orbs in the sky are there to remind us to pay attention to coincidences. But there's another part to that story. The the moon was shaped probably from the the Earth's crust, pieces of the earth, went up into space close to the earth and coalesced into a ball very slowly and then over four billion years ended up moving further and further away from the earth, ended up where it is now, and it's still moving away. But the strange thing is that where the moon is now is also correlated with our ability to see that it looks to be the same size as the sun. Mm. So the coincidence is our ability to see that they're the same size. That took four billion years to get to the place where we can do that. That's amazing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to be looking up at the sky a little differently now. <laughs> I hope so. And what we didn't get yeah. to talk about is the psychosphere. And the, ah. the psychosphere is where a lot of paranormal stuff takes place, some, at least some of well, it, the Akashic gonna, record. You know what? We're going to have to have you back. That's all. There is Definitely. To it. 
Uh, I'd like <laughs> to. You, to have you, two you, are, you two are you, you two are a lot of fun. So oh, uh, we ought to do it. Thank oh, you. Nice to hear. Well, let's do that. I, I will talk to your publicist and see if we can get another time for you to come back, and we can go into part two on all. Into part two because... and get and, and get and get weird or. I love that. We love to get weird. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. And what we did was foundational today. I want to. I want to get weird with you. So let's let's see All what we right. can do another time. We're up for that. I know you are. We even have more stories we can share that we've That's, never shared I, I before. Love the, love the stories. Love the stories. Oh, oh we have great. many. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely plan on that. This has been such a wonderful show. Again, everybody, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. Our guest tonight has been Dr. Bernard Beitman. Wonderful, delightful evening. Very well spent with you, Dr. Beitman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. This has been great. So, everybody, we're going to come back next week. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to come back next week. We're going to have another great show. And until then, make sure that you talk to everybody about your coincidences. Yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, you yeah. Share yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Share that information with your family, with your children, with your parents, with your friends, with everybody. Let's bring this to a higher level of consciousness. Dr. Beitman, you really started something tonight. So thanks again. And everybody, we'll see you next week. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.